Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So guys, yeah, you know Omaha Steaks, right? Pretty good stuff. Uh, if you're looking for the perfect Father's Day gift for me, um, Omaha Steaks can help. <laughs> Buy Cliff a Father's Day gift. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what does dad really want uh, for Father's Day? Steak! Exclamation point. Uh, for a limited time, you can find a variety of packages filled with beautiful Omaha Steaks. Beautiful. Um, plus other premium meats, side dishes, artisan desserts. Yummy. And so much more. I'm getting hungry for lunch, by the way. All ideal for dad's special day. These packages come flash- Flash frozen? I don't even know what that oh, means. Yeah. Vacuum oh, sealed. No, but I, but I think flash frozen is when you freeze food really fast so that it doesn't uh, it doesn't damage the food as much. Oh, fantastic! See, freezing. yep, it's frozen funny. like the flash. Um, <laughs> yeah, where was I? <laughs> flash um, frozen. Yes, I know. I lost frozen. my flash. Vacuum sealed, delivered in a cooler uh, with dry ice safely to your door. That means fresher than fresh. All backed by Omaha Steaks unconditional hundred percent money back guarantee. Good. It's simple, delicious, a way to treat dad this Father's Day, and you're giving him something he will actually enjoy. Omaha Steaks is offering listeners a variety of amazing packages uh, that are perfect to send to dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code LIBERAL, L-I-B-E-R-A-L, into the search bar for to unlock savings of 50% and more. With code LIBERAL, you'll receive free shipping. Uh, and a free one-pound package. Ooh, I'm getting hungry again. Of delicious applewood oh, smoked steak cut bacon. The bacon. This stuff, folks. <laughs> um, there are many more packages oh. available. Perfect for dad. Me. Uh, all ready to be shipped in time for Father's Day. OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the code LIBERAL in the search bar. Yummy. I'm hungry. And you let's. Know, uh, and and let's, can I just say, like, it's I've I've learned a long time ago. Oops, sorry. Get back to gallery view. I've learned a long time ago that um, food gifts can be some of the best gifts. Hey, hey, isn't it great that it's 2020 and we are finally nipping this Confederacy thing in the bud? Let's begin. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome to the Sanity Cast. I'm John Fugelsang, and I think the time has come for Andrew Cuomo's daily coronavirus briefings to finally add a sidekick and a house band. Uh, I hope you are well. My God, what a year. If your drinking game word for 2020 was unpredictable or unprecedented or uncertain, you're probably dead by now. But it's been a crazy time. Who would have thought the one thing that would finally unite Red America and Blue America would be a mutual fondness for ignoring everything doctors tell us during a plague. Uh, let's get to it. This is Sanity Cast. This is the helpful little podcast about how to stay sane when the Christians have elected Caligula. Because depression is a disease, negativity is a habit, uh, Hannity is the opposite of sanity, and if we're all in this together, then despondency is not an option. If you get down about this news, that's what they want. That's how gaslighting works. Check out do what you need, get back in the game. We need you, especially because we are still apparently fighting the Confederacy. That's the big takeaway from this week. The Union won the war, but the Confederacy won the Union. When we're still trying, when you see Democrats trying to take down the Confederate statues in the Capitol building, and Ted Cruz turns around and goes, oh, they're Democrats. That's what they do. These right-wing, conservative, racist Republicans like to point out that the Confederacy was right-wing, conservative, racist Democrats. I mean, Ted did that. Ted Cruz did Pelosi calls for removing racist Democrats from Capitol. <laughs> you know, I'm against violence, but I'm ready to see Ron Perlman smash him with one fist. Here's the deal, Senator Cruz. It's racist conservatives. Yes, they were racist Democrats, but let's be honest, the people who were the Confederacy were racist conservatives, okay? Like the racist conservatives who have always defended the Confederate flag, the racist conservatives Ted panders to for votes, the bloated racist conservative president who insulted Ted's wife and father that Ted choose not to remove. Ted grovels. Oh, Senator Cruz, Senator Cruz. Yes, the president who insulted your father and wife, uh, his crevasses need some cleaning. Your tongue, please. Look, here, it's really simple. Anyone asks you about Confederate memorials, you say, hey, I support the removal of dead racist Democrat statues, but I also support the removal of live racist Republican politicians, right? I mean, here's the history of race in America. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, 300 years of slavery. Black folks are people. You are owned. We can sell you. We can sell your children anytime we want. We can sell your husband, sell your mom, sell your spouse. You can be raped. You can be worked to death. Uh, we're Christian. We were born this way. Clearly, God wants it. It's okay. 300 years of that. Then 100 years of apartheid. 300 years of slavery. 100 years of apartheid. Then 50 years of, what are you blacks complaining about? And what does that add up to? That adds up to a president who talks about Antifa more than he talks about racism and police brutality combined. Friends, things are changing. Last week, three famous retired White House generals. Two of them were icky men who worked for him. One, a very icky man who worked for him. But three famous conservative retired White House generals came out against Trump. Powell, Mattis, Kelly. The U.S. Marine Corps banned the Confederate flag. The U.S. Navy banned the Confederate flag. NASCAR banned the Confederate flag. And police precincts around the country were banning chokeholds. Friends, these events are not unrelated. But we have a president who calls these monuments to white supremacist Confederates our beautiful monuments. He opposes changing the names of U.S. Army bases from Confederate names of men who took up arms against America 
and killed Americans for the cause of a few people owning people. The president does not want to remove Confederate statues and monuments. The president is more critical of athletes who silently protest police brutality and racial injustice than he is uh, against police brutality and racial injustice. I can prove it. I can find you in uh, under an hour more tweets, over 100 more tweets of this president criticizing protests of racism than I can find you tweets of this president protesting racism. This president was against putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. Here's the deal, friends. If you claim to love both America and the Confederate flag, it is time to pick one and secede from the other. Can you believe we're still doing this? Can you believe we're still fighting over the fucking Confederacy? Donald Trump, he says, it has been suggested that we should rename as many as 10 of our legendary military bases, such as Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Benning. These monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage. No, 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 no. Confederacy is not part of America's heritage. Confederacy is the part where they left America to create their own heritage, got their asses kicked, and came crawling back. And Lincoln was murdered by a Confederate sympathizer before he could bring the hammer down on them. So Donald Trump, heritage. He doesn't want to change the name of military bases because of heritage. Donald Trump's heritage is the family name Drumpf. But then they changed it. Why did they change it from Trump to Trump? To be more American. But now he's defending Confederacy, which is white supremacy, which makes him un-American. See, that's how it works. I'm here to figure this stuff out for you. I mean, look, I heard defund police and I was like, okay, really? And then the next day, like, oh, they canceled cops. I thought they meant the actual police. I didn't realize they meant the series. And I don't know about you. I was not ready for cops. Oh my God. How did you respond? When cops was canceled, I went crazy. I went, no, officer, no, please don't take cops away. Please, I need cops. Don't take it away from me, please. You don't understand cops like I do. Cops is a good show. I know it's poverty, poor, and it glorifies stormtroopers and turns a blind eye to police brutality, but don't take it away. It's a good show. Please, officer, it's my fault. I'm clumsy. Sorry. Did you get to hear uh, Ivanka Trump's um, commencement address? It was great. She said, I found that my greatest personal growth has arisen from times of discomfort and uncertainty. Discomfort and uncertainty. Friends, Ivanka Trump does not know and will never know how much a gallon of milk costs. That's how uncertain her life has been. Um, One or two more things, because we have a great, great interview coming up with one of our favorite guests. And I think he's the first guest we've gotten to return to the show. It's Professor Corey Brechneider. There was just too much going on with Trump's corruption in the courts. And I begged him to come back on to talk about this stuff with Flynn. Uh, but also, Martin Gugino, Gugino, I'm so sorry. He was the 75-year-old um, nonviolent protester who works with the Catholic Worker Movement. And y'all saw him get knocked to the ground in Buffalo and left there to bleed out. Um, he has worked with the Catholic worker movement for many years. If you don't know about the Catholic worker movement, they're the Christians who actually do the Jesus stuff founded by Dorothy Day, who should be a saint, who is one of the greatest Christian activists in the history of this country. Um, so Trump came out and said he could be an Antifa provocateur. He just lied because he saw an OAN. Uh, he, he said, Buffalo protester could be an Antifa provocateur. 75-year-old Martin Gugino was pushed away after appearing to scan police communications in order to black out the equipment. 
at OAN. I watched. He fell harder than was pushed. Was aiming scanner. Could be a setup. Like at this point, you know, let's just hope he doesn't take out his dick at Thanksgiving dinner, Grandpa. I mean, uh, you guys saw the footage. He had a cell phone in his hand and he was indicating the cops, why you need guns? I'm unarmed. And they knocked him down. How do you fall harder than you're pushed? How do, how do, you, how do you do that? See, I want to thank the Republican Party and all the Trump supporters because this was the tweet. That this man, this Catholic worker who devotes his life to service, who was brutalized, a 75-year-old white man, brutalized by the police. Like, thank you guys, you Trump guys. Now you finally dropped the rosary, even slightly Christian. Martin Gugino is a true Christian. The Catholic worker movement does what Jesus actually talked about. But it's a good time for racists, man. We talked about it. Who had a better fall of 2016? Really, who's been down for a long time? Who's been down for 100 years had a better fall of 2016? Uh, the Chicago Cubs or the Klan? Did you see the drone footage of the voters trying to cast ballots in Atlanta on Tuesday? Georgia election officials and poll workers and voters reported trouble all over the place with voting all over the state. That's by design, 100% by design. Going back to 2013, the glorious summer when John Roberts and his court gutted the Voting Rights Act. See, states that were Confederate states with a history of racial abuse, they had these rules called preclearance rules that made it harder for them to disenfranchise black voters. I know, right? It just, uh, sorry, you made it that way. Uh, they were so shitty to so many black voters for so long, they had to go and do that. So um, they fought it for a long time. They've stacked the courts. And finally, uh, obviously, enough conservatives appointed enough judges. The summer of 2013, they decided to strike that down. No more preclearance rules. Now, you states that historically have a terrible time of letting non-white people vote, no more restrictions. Go do what you want. There is no more racism. That's what it was. John Roberts essentially said that at the time. I mean, we had a black president. This is proof. There's no more racism. Now, what they could have done was impose pre-clearance rules on all 50 states, right? Not just the ones with historic racism. Make all 50 states have a standard to make sure that we're not being racist. But instead, they wiped out all pre-clearance. So what do you see in areas where black folks vote all over the South and former Confederate states? You know what you see. You see long lines. You see polling places, only one or two machines. It's deliberate. This is the system working the way it is intended where black folks are denied the vote and the ones who do vote lose an entire day standing in the rain. This was Scalia, Thomas, Kennedy, and Alito being John Roberts' willing accomplices. Okay? They're the ones who did it. And <laughs> it's the plan. I mean, it's, it's all by design. Look at this recession. I mean, remember, the, remember, remember, like we found out last week, we found out last week that this recession is not because of coronavirus. Coronavirus will make it worse. But the recession began before the lockdown. The Obama economic expansion, the longest in history, ended 10 and a half years after it began in February of 2020, before this. What really killed it? Oh, you know what it was. It was the tax cut in 2017, December. Now, that's when they decided to reward their donors, when the economy was doing better. So instead of investing money in people, they gave it all back to millionaires. And what always happens? Recession. Always. Always, always, always. This is the cycle of trickle-down, friends. You know it. I know it. It's been my whole life. It's all I've ever seen. Republican cuts taxes for the wealthy. The wealthy do great. 
people might, some people might do well for a little bit of time, but usually it crashes and burns. A Democrat comes in, has to clean it all up, does clean it up, pays off some debt, balances the budget or at least reduces the deficit. Then a Republican comes in again, messes it all up. Another Democrat comes in, cleans it up, repeat. Reagan Bush, and then Clinton, and then W, and then Obama, and then Trump. And it's not even that Obama and Clinton were great progressive presidents who had FDR-style plans to help working people. They didn't. But good God, they're the only presidents in 50 years to have reduced the deficit. But again, it's by design. Because when Donald Trump leaves office, the men who made it happen, the Republicans in the Senate, in the House, the lobbyists, the men who made it happen to reward their donors will still be there. And Donald Trump will take all the credit, all the blame for the bad economy that he wrecked, like George W. Bush did. And the people who propped up George Bush and made it happen stayed in power. The people who propped up Donald Trump and made this happen stayed in power. Bush and Trump go off taking all the blame. But the ones who really caused it are still there, scapegoating their figureheads and telling the rest of us that this economy is the fault of poor people and immigrants and protesters. We barely talked about the coronavirus, but really quick, guys, it's bad in this country. I don't understand anymore. I don't understand how liberals and conservatives alike just got so tired of playing it safe. A thousand people dying a day, that, that's not a flattened curve. If you take New York and New Jersey out of the mix where the rates are going down so highly, you see a national average going up. Here's the stat that killed me. Last week, it was possible to get in a car at the coastline in North Carolina, and you could drive from North Carolina all the way across the country to Los Angeles. And the entire drive, you could do it completely in states that are trending upward with infections. You understand what I'm saying? You could drive coast to coast and your car is only in states where the infection rate is going up. You could make the same kind of trip from the Canadian border in Washington state to the Mexican border in Texas. There's three colors that the COVID exit strategy uses, okay? They're a nonpartisan group of public health and crisis experts. Three colors they use. Green, which means trending better. Yellow is making progress. Red is trending poorly. As of the time we're recording this on the 15th, uh, half of the map, 24 states, red, trending poorly. Half of our states are getting worse. There's only five green states. New York's one of them, but there's only five green ones. And places like Vermont, California, Oregon, those are liberal states. They're struggling. Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, those are conservative states. They're struggling. Red America versus blue America, at first, when COVID began, we saw a difference we saw it like everything else. The people who watched Fox News didn't believe it. And then those numbers evened out. And we were finally on the same page. Now we're on the same page because now both sides are ignoring it. Earlier this year when this began, there was a moment when we thought there might be a real scientific debate, a public health debate. And then masks became political. And then we saw public health officials warning right-wing anti-quarantine activists against gathering for protests. But then we saw all the liberals show up and do protests. And then the conservatives said the liberals were stalling the reopen to hurt Trump. And then the right-wing anti-quarantine protests attacked public health officials. Look, it, total deaths could hit 200,000 by Labor Day. Okay, that's, that's extreme, but that is the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. This week, they are extending the COVID forecast in their model. This is the model that the White House is using through October 1st. Um, and they think it's... Obviously coming back, it's going to start growing again higher in late August, through the fall, through the school reopenings, 
through all the loosened restrictions and everyone's going to be traveling again and it's going to raise it. I don't want this to happen. I want Trump to be right. But according to the model, deaths are going to start ticking up first in Florida, Arizona, Georgia, and Colorado. That's in the fall. Arizona's got it tough now. New York, New Jersey, California, and Michigan are expected to have their highest numbers of deaths by October. I don't want this to be the case, but this is the question. And I talk about it in the next episode's show with Pete Dominic. How do you balance social justice with social distancing? How do you do it? Um, but it's been amazing just to see. Look, it's only been a couple of weeks, right? About three weeks since the murder of Mr. Floyd. Look what's already happened. Look what's already happened. Dallas and Minneapolis have now required cops to get involved if, if, if someone's using too much force. Seattle banned covering up badge numbers. Minneapolis banned chokeholds. Houston banned chokeholds. New York made them illegal. In Portsmouth, Virginia, four statues on a Confederate monument got beheaded. L.A. is going to be cutting its police budget. New York is considering cuts. Minneapolis passed a resolution to ban their police to, to ban their police department or replace it with a more community centric model. That's wild, but that's finally bringing a knife to a knife fight when it comes to these negotiations. Louisville, Kentucky, where Breonna Taylor was murdered by cops who raided her home with a no, a, a no knock warrant, they have just banned no knock warrants in Louisville. So things are happening, and it's not coming from the top; it's coming from the protests. This is why you're supposed to be encouraged. This is why you have to look at this and see all this change that's happened in the last couple of weeks. No disrespect. It hasn't been the Democratic Party doing it. It's been people on the ground. I mean, we're beating the Confederacy in 2020. You gotta, gotta, gotta remember there's plenty to be optimistic about. Uh, okay, I wanted to get to John Bolton a bit, but we're going to save that. There's a few things we got to save because I got to get to this interview. Um, Professor Corey Brechneider has been on our show before. Many times, in fact, he's one of the best in the game. He is a brilliant man. He is a professor of the Ivy League variety. You know him from his work uh, at uh, Princeton University. You guys probably know him from his appearances on MSNBC, CNN. Uh, he, he is writing for Time Magazine, for the New York Times Magazine. Uh, Corey does my radio show every Monday. He's brilliant. His book is called The, uh, the Oath and the Office, A Guide for, to the Constitution for Future Presidents. I'm recommending it to everybody. If you're still in quarantine and you need a book to really get you through, please do yourself a favor and pick it up, especially before his new book comes out this fall. Uh, last week, I sat down with Corey because we were getting incredible news about the Michael Flynn case. I know that's like 100 what the fucks ago, but it speaks so largely to Trump's corruption because here's the deal. We've been hearing the great unraveling is coming for a couple of years. It's begun. I don't know if the second wave is here, but the great unraveling has really, really begun. We're witnessing it, how the military brass is turning on Trump. We're witnessing it by NASCAR banning the Confederate flag. We're witnessing it with the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Fourth Circuit overruling that decision uh, from the case of Maryland and D.C. that alleged that Trump's hotel businesses was violating the emoluments clause. Like, he's in trouble. His poll numbers are tanking worse and worse. Can he still be reelected? Re Absolutely. But the Michael Flynn case, this is a level of corruption that William Barr can never recover from. And neither can Trump, if we care. Give it a listen. Corey Bretschneider is a great public speaker, a great teacher, a great writer, uh, and I hope you enjoy. I'm going to come back at the bottom of this, uh, so stick around. Enjoy. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is 
Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1 800 685 1292 and mention code Voices. Plexiderm is backed by a 90 day money back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com. Professor Corey Bretschneider, it is so nice to have you back. Uh, pleasure, John, always to speak with you. I, I was going to call this like, you know, how uh, I want to talk to you, obviously, about the news that was just released the day we're recording this about, uh, you know, Judge Gleason. Um, it, it's really, really shocking. Part of me wants to say that they're, you know, the, the Justice Department is trying to pardon General Flynn, but it's more like an Avengers Endgame. They're trying to do time travel and never charge him, even though he's already pled guilty twice. It's the first time travel defense I've ever seen. Uh, What can you tell us about the news that has just broken uh, regarding what this independent third party judge, Judge Gleason, (laughs) has said? If people haven't been following this whole story and following what has gone down with Judge Sullivan and Bill Barr in in the Michael Flynn case... I think they really need to start now. It's uh, it's quite a saga. Um, usually when the Justice Department drops charges, it's a sort of pro forma uh, experience. They go to the judge. They say, OK, we you know haven't made our case and um, we're going to be done here. But in this case, obviously, it's not a normal case. It's all about um, the uh, president's connection to the person whose uh, the case is being dropped to, to, to Mr. Flynn. And this judge has done something that judges have the right to, but don't usually do, which is say, hey, wait a second, what's the reason for dropping this case? And he not only did that, he assigned a former judge to make the case uh, that actually there isn't a good reason here. And that's to drop. Judge Gleason. That, that's Judge Gleason, that's right? Judge Gleason, right. Uh, to make the case that um, this former judge, to, to make the case that actually there isn't good reason to drop um, uh, the case against Flynn. And uh, that really, I mean, what he's saying in this report that we just got today, uh, a pretty in-depth report about why actually these charges should not be dropped, uh, that the, 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 the legal rule of what's required to drop a case hasn't been met. Now, it's not a very high standard, but in order for the judge to basically agree with the Justice Department to, to drop the case, there has to be some reason that's not purely political, that's not a bribe, that's not... Illicit or unreasonable, and uh, the argument that this um, judge, who's the former judge, who's been assigned to make the argument, is making is uh, there isn't an argument like this. this is highly unusual, and that all that really is going on here, I think, the bottom line is, is what what it looks like that the president mm-hmm. is trying to uh, get a crony off, and that's not how the law works. And so it's getting very exciting here. We're hearing a lot of people on the right, a lot of our, you know, right wing loved ones on the Facebook talk about how General Flynn was illegally entrapped by corrupt FBI agents. The argument that they're making and that William Barr and Donald Trump are making. And again, Donald Trump said in a tweet why he fired General Flynn, but it's all about time travel. So they're saying the FBI tricked innocent, 
helpless General Flynn into lying to the vice president, lying to the FBI, lying in his White House security clearance, while secretly being a paid foreign agent and lying that he wasn't, admitting in court he knew it was against the law to lie to the FBI, pleading guilty twice, and publicly asking for God's forgiveness. The FBI tricked an innocent man into doing all of those things. This is literally the argument adults are <laughs> away here. Now, General Glee- uh, I'm sorry, Judge Gleason, as you just said, is pretty much accusing William Barr of distorting the justice system to protect Donald Trump's flunky by trying to shut down the prosecution. Again, we kept saying, oh, when's he going to pardon Flynn? They're not even trying to pardon him. They're trying to drop the charges for something the guilty party has pled guilty to. They found the one plot, Corey, that law and order didn't think of in 25 (laughs) seasons. And, and, And my understanding is that, you know, Judge Sullivan, when the charges were dropped, he's like, okay, Uh, I have to sign off on this, and this is unprecedented, so I'm going to have another judge give me counsel. And what Judge Gleason has told Judge Sullivan to do is, okay, thanks for having me come in. What you should do, Judge Sullivan, is totally ignore William Barr and the Justice Department and go ahead and sentence General Flynn on the charges he admitted to two and a half years ago. I'm going to quote Judge Gleason. The facts surrounding the filing of the government's motion constitute clear evidence of gross prosecutorial abuse. They reveal an unconvincing effort to disguise as legitimate a decision to dismiss that is based solely on the fact that Flynn is a political ally of President Trump. I mean, Corey, it looks like it's starting to crumble. We're recording this right after we had, you know, three former famous generals come out. One was a chief of staff, one was a defense secretary, and one was Colin Powell calling Trump unfit for office. This is the same week that both the Navy and the Marines have banned the Confederate flag, uh, which is connected to all of this, I believe. And now we see this. I mean, we've heard the phrase tipping point so many times, but I don't really see how Donald Trump gets out of this without some kind of Saturday night massacre. Uh, I think that's right. I mean, sometimes things are exactly what they appear and that's what's going on here. It looks like the president is doing anything that he can to get a crony off. Uh, and he's come up with this, you know, basically use of his flunky, who's supposed to be the nation's chief law enforcement officer, and instead basically do, does what the president t- tells him to do something that really anywhere would be embarrassed, which is to go in and to claim that somehow he has a reason apart from partisanship for dropping these charges. And what this report is really saying is, no, it's exactly what it looks like that all we have here is a Justice Department that's doing the bidding of a president and doing basically a political favor for him. And what makes it so outrageous, John, and you, you said this, is Flynn pleaded guilty in a court of law. He made a public statement saying that he did this. He did do it. He did lie to the FBI. It's documented in depth in, um, in uh, Gleason's report. Uh, and he also in court explained that he did it. And so to come in and try to reverse all of this after the fact uh, looks absurd. Now, uh, what's the end game? I think the end game, given this president, will probably be a pardon. And we have to talk about um, uh, the legitimacy of that. One thing that I found unfortunate in the uh, Judge Gleason's um, remarks is that he said that, of course, Trump could issue the pardon. And as you know, I, I have what was a minority view, but I think is now picking up steam that actually the pardon power is not necessarily unlimited, that the framers imagined a situation like this 
of the president pardoning a co-conspirator. So happy to talk more about that or or any of the issues that we've got going on. Well, with the bottom line. About it because, yeah, I mean, well, a president pardoning a co-conspirator is going to be one of the themes of this fall, Professor. We're, yeah. we're already wondering. <laughs> I mean, I'm Paul Manafort's already out of jail, right? Yeah. Uh, we know that pardon's coming after Election Day, whether Trump wins or not. I, I think it's also fair to say the same thing about uh, Roger Stone. Um, we, and and it, I, I should also bring up that this president can only pardon federal convictions, not state convictions, right? Correct. And these are all federal charges that we're talking about in the in the Flynn matter, lying to the FBI, and the Stone matter, obstruction um, of uh, basically obstruction of Congress. Uh, and then, of course, uh, um, I believe the Manafort charges are federal as well. And so the president potentially could uh, pardon all three instances. And usually that's the end of the story that the president issues the pardon and it's over. But one thing that I'm trying to get Americans to think about, and again, this is not the usual view, is whether or not the pardon power really is unlimited. Did the framers really imagine a situation in which a co-conspirator, basically a co-criminal, suspected co-conspirator, could could be pardoned. And we know from the Constitutional Convention that they were scared to death that this would happen. Uh, George Mason, Edmund uh, Randolph, others at the convention raised this issue repeatedly of a president pardoning his way out of crime, especially by pardoning co-conspirators. Uh, and they worried about it. And um, what I'm trying to, to call attention to is we know or that there's a wide consensus that a president can't pardon himself. And what I want to say is if this is a kind of self-pardon, that there is reason to think that it's so irrational, it's like what's going on in the attempt to drop the charges, that there there is an argument, I want to say, for limiting the pardon power. And one thing that I pushed in an article in Politico is that uh, the pardon power says explicitly there's one exception to it written into the Constitution. It says, except in cases of impeachment. Now, the usual view is that what that means is that you can't pardon to stop an impeachment, stop Congress from impeaching, and that you can't undo an impeachment, basically undo the penalty that comes from an impeachment, namely uh, the, the, um, the disqualification from running for office. That's the usual right. view. But as I look into it, the evidence to me is not convincing that that's all that it means. Uh, it's mostly secondhand. It's not based on the founding itself. And then we have this unusual statement from James Madison at the Virginia Convention where he talks about suspected presidents uh, right. losing their powers um, uh, and their powers being suspended. Now, I'm not going to defend suspension, but it suggests that Madison really didn't believe that you could pardon a co-conspirator. And he reacted very strongly when, he, when the Constitution, uh, one of its biggest opponents, uh, uh, George Mason, argued that the pardon power uh, would allow for this situation. And, and Mason thought it was so serious that the Constitution couldn't be, shouldn't be ratified. And Madison comes back and says, no, he can't do that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, a, to me, a debate that we better have, that we've never had before in depth, that it's been raised by journalists like I.F. Stone and others throughout history. Uh, I saw that the former Labor Secretary has made a similar argument, but I, I think we really got to reflect on whether or not our Constitution allow something that's so obviously abusive. Professor, what really blows my mind about this story is that to me, it seems to connect everything, all the corruption, uh, uh, you know, all the criminality, all the lying of this administration. It, it It's all here. I mean, th this story connects to everything because we're doing this at the same time. We're discussing the president's abuse of power 
with the United States military. I mean, you you know, you recently tweeted how the military is confused about what they're bound to do in the wake of these protests and that the president is trying to run for re-election by deploying the armed forces to do the job of local law enforcement. You said that, you know, if the military is confused about what they are bound to do, that is a clear sign of a constitutional crisis. That's how dangerous this current moment is and how destructive this attorney general has been. It, it, it's all the same thing. It's an attorney general who was hired to do one job, defend a president, not the Constitution. Absolutely. And we, we saw the abuse of power so blatantly when they cleared that um, uh, area in front of the uh, church uh, so the president could have a photo op holding that Bible so awkwardly. Uh, and, uh, you know, why was that done? There was no legitimate reason to, to stop a constitutionally protected uh, protest. And that, to me, you know, Barr is the poster child of why we have constitutional limits on what the president can do and how the military can be used. Now, it's a complicated issue because there is this insurgency act that gives the president the power to use the military and even arguably to use them over the objection of state governors. So Eisenhower sent in the military, of course, and uh, Little Rock. Uh, but to me, when you but read that, this... But, 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 but Eisenhower sent in the military to Little Rock for the Constitution. Right. So <laughs> access. Absolutely. And that's exactly how the statute's drawn up. It talks about pre uh, governors, uh, local officials being unable or unwilling to defend uh, federal rights, constitutional rights, like the right to equal protection, the right to integration. That was what was going on in Little Rock. Now, if this president was really using the military to try to stop police from killing people, that might be an issue where perhaps in some localities the military could be used for that purpose. But that's not why he's using it. He's using it in order to stop protests that he doesn't like. He says to quell violence. But, uh, you know, as we saw in that episode, uh, that's really not what's going on. And there's a constitutional right to protest, a right to free expression. There's the statute itself that talks about constitutional rights being protected. And so I completely agree. This isn't at all what happened in Little Rock. And, it, and uh, needless to say, Donald Trump is no no Eisenhower. So, so constitutional law 101, Corey, even if the president has a legal power, he cannot use his power to limit someone else's constitutional rights. Even if you can use the military to put down an insurrection over the state governor's objections, you can't use it to suppress free speech or other liberties like the right of citizens to gather and petition the government for redress of grievances. John, I, I mean, I, I it is Constitutional Law 101, and you put it so perfectly. Uh, I'm just quoting you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to give you credit. <laughs> but right, I think I did write that. Um, and, you know, when I teach constitutional law, it's one of the first things that we teach, that uh, presidents have all sorts of powers, but they're powers to act legitimately. And when those powers are being used to limit constitutional rights, what would otherwise be a fine thing to do becomes right. something that's actually illegitimate. And that's exactly what's going on here in this debate about the use of the military. It's it's a threat to use a otherwise legitimate power for a completely illegitimate reason. And that's just right. not something that you can do on, in our system. But here's the million dollar question I'm asking you as a professor of constitutional law. This man has to be impeached now. Right. Like they should be trying to impeach him right away because he should not be allowed to run a political campaign that deliberately incites violence. Yeah, I mean, look, 
<laughs> we, have mechanism, we have a mechanism in the Constitution for dealing with a president who abuses power. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately in our system right now, the way it's set up, it can be changed. But we don't have the mechanism to indict sitting presidents because the Department of Justice has a policy saying they won't do that. And I don't think either of us think there's any chance that Bill Barr is going to indict this president. So what do you do when a president is acting criminally or, or abusing power or violating constitutional rights? That's the role of the Congress to act. Now, you know, I don't think there are the votes in the Senate right now, but certainly we should bring it up. <laughs> right. I, we, I mean, but the Congress did act. The Congress did impeach him for one thing. Uh, many of us thought they should have impeached him for those two counts, as well as all 10 of Mueller's counts of obstruction of justice, which are still just lying there waiting for somebody to pick them up and use them like a like a, a power in a video game. No one knows you could use. Uh, we're still waiting to impeach him for his his neglect of Puerto Rico, uh, the emoluments clause violations. So many areas that the man could be impeached for. But, you know, you said that one option, as we consider Trump's ongoing high crimes, the House could impeach. And after a Senate conviction, it could vote to disqualify, but not remove. The Senate sets the penalty. No criminal should get off because he was previously not convicted. We already know that, you know, they they let him off. But there is no double jeopardy when it comes to impeachment, correct? Exactly. Sometimes people talk as though, uh, look, we tried this once, it didn't work, and that's the end of it. Uh, first of all, there are other high crimes than the ones that we we charged him uh, with. Um, there is the uh, shutdown of that protest, for instance, which certainly, in my opinion, is a high crime. And it's not the case that if you commit assault and then you go out and, and you get off, uh, you're found not guilty and you commit a second assault, that people are like, oh, that's double jeopardy. It's a separate instance. But the, even if it was the same instance, the Ukraine phone call that, that the Congress wanted to bring up again, there is no double jeopardy in impeachment, and they would be well within their rights to do that, too. And then there are the other issues that you and I have been talking about uh, for now, I guess, a few years, including uh, obstruction of justice, all of the 10 instances of obstruction of justice outlined in the Mueller report. So, yeah, I do think that we should do it again. And I think that um, maybe uh, some of these uh, senators are going to change their vote. Murkowski, for instance, seems to have realized the error of her ways. I hope so. Um, and uh, what's at stake is uh, the ability of the president to run for reelection. Uh, the Constitution specifically gives the Senate the power to disqualify somebody who is found guilty of a high crime and misdemeanor from running again. So they could let him serve out his term if there was worry about turmoil from removing him immediately uh, and disqualify him as the punishment uh, for what he's done. That seems appropriate to me. Wow. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. So let me just pivot a little bit to the sideways then and just talk about in the wake of the protests we've seen over the last week, uh, the uprisings we've seen. I'm dazzled and amazed by how much change these protests have already brought about. I mean, to say nothing of the fact that people left their home and risked their health during a plague, an incredible, diverse array of people. And, you know, I'm not talking about the riots. I don't consider the riots to be the protesters. I don't. I think people who come out to set police cars on fire are not really concerned about racial justice for George Floyd. They're males who've been cooped up for months and want to set cars on fire. But that said, We've never seen this happen in 75 cities at once on the same night. I mean, it's so historic when you consider the scope of these people who are outraged. And within 10 days of these protests, you know, many within 10 days, 
of the first protest, Minneapolis ban chokeholds. Uh, Officer Chauvin w- was was uh, arrested. His charges were upgraded and his accomplices were arrested and charged. Uh, Dallas adopted the duty to intervene rule that forces cops to stop other cops who are engaging in inappropriate use of force. New Jersey, their general is going to update their use of force guidelines for the first time in 20 years. Uh, L.A. City Council introduced a motion to reduce LAPD's $2 billion operating budget. This is in the first 10 days since the first protest. In M- the MTBA in Boston w- is going to stop using public buses to transport police officers to protests. I mean, we saw these cops get suspensions immediately in Buffalo and Fort Lauderdale because they were captured abusing unarmed people on on film. These monuments to white supremacist Confederates are being torn down in Virginia and Alabama. They've renamed the street in front of the White House Black Lives Matter Plaza. I mean, this is in 10 days. All this has happened, which gives me incredible hope. But really, if you know, if you care about police brutality as an issue, you have to care about something that is called qualified immunity, because all of these protests we see will not really hurt police who murder unarmed people as long as qualified immunity still exists. Right. Yes, there are all these protections for violent cops, even murdering cops. Uh, that are really absurd. And um, one of them, one of the protections goes back to an effort in the 19th century, 1871, to basically give citizens the right to sue the government if you've been beaten up, if your rights have been violated. And in this uh, so-called Enforcement Act, meaning enforcing the 14th Amendment, uh, Congress gave citizens the right to sue the government. The problem is that over time, the Supreme Court has basically weakened what the Congress meant to do. And they've come up with this doctrine. It's got a very fancy name uh, called qualified immunity. It's like the emoluments clause. It's something that's so uh, boring sounding and people don't don't, don't know about it. And what qualified immunity basically says is we're going to read this right to sue as saying you've got to really have an egregious violation of your constitutional rights before you sue, not just an ordinary violation. Uh, And it's just the bottom line is it's very hard to sue cops and to win. And so cops have not felt the deterrence that would come from the fact that if they beat somebody up, that they're going to lose their house or their um, savings. And, uh, you know, we've got to fix that. And it's a very simple fix. Thankfully, the Congress, uh, I think Monday, introduced legislation to change it that would just grant the uh, ability to to sue cops under a, a much easier standard. To me, there's a related idea. When we say sue cops, we're really talking about the local taxpayers footing the bill. Like, like, you know, when a police department has to pay out damages in the millions for people who've been the victim of abuse, it's not the police paying the price. It's the local taxpayers paying the price and the police are still insulated. Like, like we have to, you know, I think the defund police movement is really about having a much more fierce negotiating tactic bringing it to the table. Uh, Do we need to bring to the table things like these settlements no longer get paid by taxpayers, but get paid, say, out of, well, uh, another form of taxpayer revenue, like police pensions? Absolutely. I mean, or I think the cops themselves should be made liable. That's the the more direct way to do it. Uh, You're absolutely right. There's a woman actually at UCLA Law School called Joanna Schwartz, who went around and looked at even when you can beat the cops, beat this qualified immunity, who pays? and, And in almost all cases, uh, it's local municipalities. And so the cops don't feel the threat of being sued. And uh, how can we undo that? We can um, basically start to 
uh, challenge police unions and other uh, ways that these um, police officers are guaranteed to never pay a dime, even if they uh, kill somebody without without merit, even if they violate constitutional rights. Uh, so making it easier to uh, criminalize uh, police behavior, that's uh, a violation of our rights, and making it easier not just to sue and win, but sue and win and collect from the officer. I think that's equally crucial or, or, or from the pension of the police. Professor Brett Schneider, I am always so honored when you will give of your time and expertise to uh, educate the trifling likes of me. What is the best way for our listeners to follow your work? Uh, always a pleasure, John. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Schneider C or read my work at CoreyBrettSchneider.com. Uh, and everybody needs to read The Oath in the Office. Corey, thank you so much. I'll see you uh, next Monday on SiriusXM. Look forward to it. Great job. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code voices. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter voices at triplexiderm.com. Thank you very much, Corey Brettschneider. Uh, please, please read his book and um, listen to my radio show on Sirius XM Monday nights. He always joins us and he's always great. Also, I had the joy of appearing on uh, the Politicon podcast with our good friend uh, Clay Aiken and Tim Black, who's a terrific African-American radio host. Oh my God, this guy's smart. Uh, and I love Clay. He's a good guy. Um, and they asked me to come on the podcast to talk about how you move the country forward. The problem they have is they try to make it bipartisan and there's always fights. So this is a bunch of lefties talking about it. And it's really great. So check that out if you can. It's called How the Heck Are We Going to Get Along? The Politicon podcast. Uh, I'm appearing on a lot of these things. So um, I hope that's okay. Uh, I don't want to cheat on mine with others, but listen to it if you can. Also, we're getting some great guests lined up for this, including some conservative friends that I'm thrilled about. Um, Also, remember, Donald Trump says transition to greatness, which means... I guess we're trans great. Uh, That's positive, I guess. Trump says the silent majority is stronger than ever. They're so silent they don't pick up the phone when his pollsters call. But look, here's the important thing to remember. Jeff Sessions is going after Doug Jones hard. He says Doug Jones's vote to remove from all military facilities and installations the names of every soldier who fought for the Confederacy betrays the character and decency of every soldier who fought for the South in that bloody and monumental war. Now, here's the deal, friends. I know most of those soldiers that fought for the Confederacy didn't own slaves. You can tell me that stat again. I already know. Uh, I know they were conscripted. I know that. Uh, but if you're honoring the Confederacy, you're honoring the society that forced them to fight against their morality that conscripted them to go fight for slaves. So it's fucked up, and your little rationalization of saying those troops didn't own slaves is bullshit, okay? Every single Confederate soldier, whether he wanted to or not, every single one of them fought for black people to be kept as property, to be sold, to have their children sold, to be raped, to be worked to death. 
And Jeff Sessions is really tired of them not getting all the credit they deserve. So listen, man, if you get a chance, everyone's telling you, everyone's telling you to, to you know, donate money to this or that. If you get a chance a little bit for Doug Jones, for re-election to the Senate in Alabama, Doug Jones needs your help, folks. Please, you can go to secure.actblue.com, go where it takes. We have a pro-choice Democrat sitting in Jeff Sessions' Senate office in Alabama. And it's largely because of African-American women who showed up to vote in incredible numbers. What are we going to do to get everyone to show up this year, especially in Alabama? You know, Trump could get reelected. And the only bright side of that would be if he got reelected and there was a Democratic House and Senate. Either way, it's going to end poorly for Trump. It's going to end either badly this election or badly in the next four years. Trust me, it's going to end bad. That's why you're not allowed to be discouraged. What can Donald Trump do to erase his stain in the history books? Can he give health care to everyone? Can he cure cancer? Can he end poverty? He could do all those things. Would it still protect his place in the history books? These motherfuckers defending him now, they're going to grow old defending him. Imagine what that's like. Growing old, not realizing that Donald Trump was fucking stupid. Let them grow old defending him. The important thing for you to realize is this doesn't end well. So you don't get to despair. Here's the word of the moment. Merriam-Webster said, this is the word of the moment, doom scrolling. They're considering adding this to the official list of English language words. Now, it sounds like a video game, but doom scrolling is defined by the Urban Dictionary of as the act of obsessively reading social media posts about how utterly fucked we are. I mean, the world that we grew up with is ending. And Bob Dylan speaks beautifully about this in that new interview in the New York Times. Oh my God, if you're down, read this interview. He is, he keeps getting more brilliant. But we're going through an incredible pandemic and a recession and a civil rights moment all at once. All at once. And during these times of uncertainty, we look for answers, how to protect ourselves. It's hardwired in our biology. We want to survive. So we go looking for information. We want to know what's out there. We want to know how bad it is. But psychologists around the world are warning us, this can be very painful. This can cause anxiety. This can cause depression. The very nature of online news through social media literally confuses the brain. It changes the way we perceive the world and what's happening. Okay, how does this fuck with our minds? Putting together a narrative of what's going on in the world right now is really tricky. We're on social media, we're watching cable news, we get little bits of information, a lot of it with no context. We get images of violence next to the cat pictures, outrage-driven algorithms that decide what we will see. It's very difficult for the human brain to calm down. It's very difficult for the human emotions to decide which one are we gonna take the bait on. We're also locked up inside for the most part. We don't have our social routines we do of helping us make sense of all this information we're taking in. We're not going to work and hearing what thing we heard last night that's actually rubbish. Normally you turn to somebody else and you talk about the news. With everybody isolating, we're not doing it. Maybe we're all going online and fighting. The technology is also shaping the way we understand everything and the way we engage with things we barely understand. The algorithms are there to decide what content you are going to engage with. And once the algorithm figures out the kind of stuff you'll click on and say yes to, well, then they're going to present more of it in an infinite scroll with ads of shit you like. That's how it works. That's the new normal. That's what's scary about it. The infinite scroll presents this whole illusion that better information that's going to make me happy is just a little bit away. Uh, Or porn, which doesn't always make you happy. That's another show. Uh, But we're always trying to find that one piece of information to make it all make sense. So we keep looking and reading and filling our heads with information. 
with data, with facts, but there's no single answer that's going to make the world make sense. So doom scrolling has become a way we try to cope with that which cannot be known. We try to just stay hyper-informed, but given all that's going on, hyper-informed can lead to feeling hyper-helpless. So obviously less time on social media or more judicious time. Try not to check your feed before bed or before you eat anything in the morning. During sex, it's good to not pick up your phone as well. Um, and again, like try to have conversations with real people about what's really happening rather than just scrolling through all the day's events. Thank you for giving me a place where I can talk about it. We always want to know what you guys think. Please write us at johnfugelsang.com. Uh, and I know our online store is still down. We are very frustrated. We want to get it up as soon as we can. My God, all the Trump swag we want to start selling. We are designing. The elves are busy. But here's the deal. When we put up our online store, we did this crazy nutty thing you're not supposed to do. We decided to only have uh, American-made products. And so we sell everything made in America, which means we use mom and pop manufacturers and printers, which means a lot of those companies are still shut down. So because we don't sell shit made in China and because we do free shipping, uh, it's slowing us down a little bit. So please come to the website, send me, send me mail. And as soon as we have the online store back up again, we will be letting you know because there's lots of crap we want to sell you to give you a brief fleeting illusion of pleasure in your brain. Uh, in the meantime, though, I do a show every night, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Progress, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Please join us there. Uh, send us your letters here. We read them on the air and uh, keep listening to all the great podcasts on the Stephanie Miller Podcast Network. I'm John saying Thank you, as always, to Chris Lavoie, Ron Hartenbaum, everyone at Stephanie Miller, uh, the great Jen Hagerty, and of course, our guest, Professor Corey Breschneider. Peace. Now, more than ever, we're all thinking about our hygiene. All okay? day long, all day strong. We're washing our hands. It's all sneezing into day. our eyes. That's right. But we are still taking a huge carry of virus with us everywhere. Our phone. Yeah. They're a vector for disease, and we rarely clean them. I mean, the other day, we tried wiping one down, I and I was like, come on, girl. You know, we know what we need. This. We know exactly what we need. We are constantly touching our phones with our hands and even pressing them to our face, yes. which is no these days it's time to take cleaning your phone seriously that's right the clean phone pro sanitizer uses medically proven uv light technology to kill 99.99 percent of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone that's right it's better than wipes and safe for your device because you can't boil it your mm -hmm. phone right no, you can't. and the clean phone pro gets every inch of your phone clean with the nine high power uvc lights mm. dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber wow you can be sanitized other items while wirelessly charging your phone or just use the clean phone pro as your go-to charging station at any time fully removable top means easier fit for more items and larger items so you know you can be sanitizing your, your behind oh depending on the size of your behind yeah maybe you're behind too maybe uh, maybe i don't know here's the deal you got to go to thecleanphone.com today and get one for just 89 dollars in free shipping when you use the code sexy liberal if you're serious about hygiene it's time to get serious about cleaning your phone go to thecleanphone.com and keep your phone truly clean remember use the code sexy liberal for a two-day free shipping <laughs> and we will ship immediately that's right that's thecleanphone.com thecleanphone.com <laughs>